As Maurice said, I am Peter, in English Peter, from the Netherlands. I'm married with Aafje and I'm traveling with Hans and Naomi, all from the Netherlands. And yeah, for a quick introduction, it's very, very beautiful what God is doing in the Netherlands. Uh, we planted a church three and a half years ago, a week before COVID. I'm not going to tell the whole story. Um, but to give you an uh, impression that um, before that time, I wasn't in ministry. I have literally never preached. Uh, I never did anything. I didn't have gifts of the spirit, nothing at all. Um, but the only thing we knew that we had a calling um, from the Lord, uh, and many people confirmed, prophets confirmed, and Andrew Shelley confirmed that we need to plant a 412 church in the Netherlands. So I think it's, it's, it took months to grab our faith together and... Um, Put it, uh, yeah, and planted the church in the Netherlands. And when we did it, it was just one week before COVID. And all the guys from 412 said, yeah, Peter, if you plant, we will send troops. So I had the faith that when we plant, that people came over to, to help us, to support us. But then COVID came and we literally had only the Holy Spirit. And I think um, that's the... That's the best thing uh, that could... Uh, in, in the moment, you feel like, Lord... I'm stuck, I'm like in a trap, you know, Lord, I can't go back because we planted, but we needed to trust the Holy Spirit because we didn't have anything else. We, we had a few guys that joined and we all didn't know what, what to do. And I remember I phoned Andrew and I said, Andrew, Andrew, what do I need to do? And he literally said, just watch my preach and repeat it, you know, just so because I didn't know how it worked, you know, how to receive a message and... Um, and long, long times, long story short, it's, it's at the Lord, at the end of the day, the Lord built the church in the Netherlands. You know, it's not built on my experience. It's built on faith, faith through the Holy Spirit. And, and I think it's also built because we have nothing else than the Holy Spirit. And I think um, often we can do more than we think because we often think about our own capacities. We look to ourselves. But if we look to what God can do, we can do way more. We can do more. We can, with God, everything is possible. We proclaim it. But at the end of the day, are we living it? And today I have a message on my heart to preach uh, about the kingdom of God. Um, and uh, for me, it's very encouraging to hear that a lot of words. And in the prayer meeting, I, I felt already that the Lord is confirming my message so I really hope that we today get a better understanding about the kingdom of God. And I want to, um, to start with a few questions to you, like, um, what is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Um, what does the kingdom of God look like? And how does the kingdom of God become visible? I'm not going to work out exactly through all the questions, but... At the end of my message, I will hope that I have answered them all and that you really understand what the kingdom of God is and how it worked and how you can apply it in your own life. But first of all, I want to ask you a personal question and you don't have to say it. You can just think about it. And, and my question to you is actually, what is for you the kingdom of God? And where do you think that the kingdom of God is at this moment? So where do you think that the kingdom of God is right now? You don't have to answer, but think a small moment for yourself. And when I ask that question in the Netherlands um, to people in the church, I get 
very different answers. But a lot of time people say the kingdom of God is in heaven because in heaven there is God and is Jesus. So the kingdom of God is in heaven. And I think a lot of times we have that feeling like the kingdom of God is in heaven. But the question is, is that really true? And I think it is true. There is a kingdom in heaven. We can read it in the scripture. But there is also a kingdom on the earth. There is another kingdom. Or is it the same kingdom? And I really, I really believe that God's desire is that the kingdom of heaven is coming on the earth. There are no two different, it's not that there are two different kingdoms. It's one kingdom, but it's on heaven and on earth. And I think we need to think in a kingdom language. We need to think about the kingdom. How does it look like? How does it work out? Where is the kingdom? We, I think as Christians, we have to have that clear to live out very um, to live out passionate for the king and the kingdom. And many times I see people evangelizing. They say you need to repent, you need to believe, you need to know that Jesus has died for your sins because one day you can go to heaven. So a lot of time we bring the kingdom in heaven. We try to encourage people to believe because if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you are going to hell or you are lost. You know, and we often speak about heaven, but why are we not preaching the kingdom? Because I believe that the kingdom is here right now. And it's also the New Testament language. If we look at the Bible, we see that when Jesus came, he wasn't preaching about you have to repent because one day you go to heaven. No, he preached the kingdom and the king is coming right now. And I quickly want to read some scriptures about that. How, what, what is the Bible language if it's in... Uh, if it's regarding the kingdom. And I want to start with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he came just before Jesus came. And he said, uh, Matthew 3, it's about John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came. And what did he preach? He preached in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then a chapter later, we see in Matthew 4, and then it's Jesus is coming up. And he is saying, from that time, Jesus become to preach. And what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it looks like it's like um, John the Baptist is, it is, John the Baptist is saying it's coming, but Jesus is preaching it's on hand. So and I can, remember, I can imagine that people think, okay, the kingdom is on hand. So that means it's almost there. But how does that should look like? Is heaven coming down? What is going to happen? And in John 3, um, Jesus has a conversation with uh, Nicodemus, and he's explaining him, actually, how you can enter the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. And I read a few scriptures that are saying, Jesus answered him, um, Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is very clear, you can only enter the kingdom of God after you've been born again. And I can imagine that it was for Nicodemus a very weird, like, how can you be born again? And for us, we know how we can be born again. But if you never heard about be born again, 
can, can you imagine that Jesus is telling you you have to be born again? And I can imagine that Nicodemus was thinking like, what is going to happen? I need to go, I only can go into the kingdom of heaven by being born again. Yeah, imagine if you have never heard about it. But then Jesus is going on and he was demonstrating actually the kingdom of heaven. He was talking to people, the kingdom of God, the king, I'm the king. The kingdom is coming and he came with sign and miracles to establish actually to show the power of the kingdom that is coming. And often when people believed in him, they, Jesus said, your faith has healed you or your faith has made you whole. So you can see that the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of Jesus, is already breaking through before Jesus died. But I really believe that the fullness of the kingdom came when he died and raised, rose up from the grave. When Jesus um, defeated the death, when he um, stood up by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom came with its full power. And we see it also in the Bible. When the Holy Spirit came, we can see that there was an outbreak of the kingdom. People started to be born again, and the kingdom become visible on the earth. I come back to that. But I want, first want to go uh, and look a little bit further about the New Testament language about the kingdom, because we also see that the language of the apostles is exactly the same as Jesus, and they preach also about the kingdom. They are not preaching about later, they are preaching about now. And the first uh, scripture is in um, Colossians 1.13, and that's Paul writing, and he say, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So Paul is talking that Jesus has transformed us from the one kingdom to the other kingdom. Um, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. And in Acts 19, and this is uh, talking about Paul, um, it's saying, and he entered the synagogue and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So Paul was all the time preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. And in Acts 28, and it's the last chapter of Acts, um, it's actually when Paul was talking to the Jews in Rome, we read this, but we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Interesting that they talk about the church as a sect, and I really believe that when people around you uh, talk about your church as a sect, you are in good companion, you know, because... They talk about uh, the church of Paul uh, the same. They arrange to meet Paul on a certain day and come in even larger numbers to the place where he has, was staying. He witnessed to them from the morning till the evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said and others would not believe. So we see that the New Testament language about 
from Jesus, from John the Baptist, from Jesus and the apostles, it's all they're preaching about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, it's not something that laid very far from us or even when we die that we then enter the kingdom of God. Now, they all preach that we can be born again in the kingdom of God right now. And, and for me, it's like, why are we as Christians not, when we evangelize, preach about the kingdom of God? Why don't we preach like, repent, be born again, ask for forgiveness, and you can enter today the kingdom of God? Why are we struggling with that? And I really believe that we struggle probably because the kingdom of God is not visible amongst us. We struggle. We can easily talk about the kingdom of heaven where everything is perfect but can we share about come with me and sh i can show you the kingdom of god because the kingdom of god is here right now i think we struggle that the kingdom of god is visible in our daily lives it's difficult to talk about a kingdom that should be here while we can't see it very clear and i think we need to be honest, I think, about this. Can we share to our unsafe colleagues? Can we share about our family? Like, look and come with me and I can show you the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God should be here. Because here we are born again. We are born again in a new kingdom. Although that's the Bible teaching us. So the kingdom of God needs to be visible in our lives. And if it's not, we often struggle to preach about it and to talk about it. And we have to ask us questions. Are we really living a life for Jesus? Are we li really living a life of joy in every circumstance? But I think that's the outpouring of the kingdom of God, that we see the values of the kingdom. Are we really living the values that Jesus is preaching and, and uh, teaching us? Is it visible in our lives? Are we excited about the kingdom of God? Or we want heaven but not the kingdom now. We want to live our own lives and Jesus is our safety. Jesus is our ticket to heaven. I think it's an important thing to rethink this for yourself. Are you living the kingdom now or is the kingdom of God something on Sunday or maybe Wednesday evening and it's your security, it's more your ticket to heaven? Often we see people living for their financially security, their careers, um, not giving up their own boundaries. And I think it's important that we have to know that when we want to enter the kingdom, we have to have faith in the king and the kingdom. And I know that Jesus is setting actually the bar for the kingdom very high. And we often try to make it very low. We say, you have to believe to enter the kingdom of God. But the question is, what do we need to believe? What do we believe when we believe in Jesus Christ? What do we believe when we are baptized, when we lay down our lives? And, the, and Jesus is very clear. And I know the bar is very low. We have to believe. But we have to know what we believe. And Jesus is preaching about that. He say, laying down your own life. Taking up your cross, leaving everything behind, dying to yourself, think about this, think about the grain of the wheat, dying to yourself, nothing less of yourself, 
and then new life is coming. So there is a price to pay to enter the kingdom of God. On the other hand, there is also something to receive. The Bible is talking about the treasure in the field. And when the Holy Spirit shows us what we can receive when we show our own life, it's actually a temporary life to receive an eternal life. It's like, um, it's like the pearl and the treasure in the field. It's like you have everything. You have rest for your soul. But we have, first we have to give away our own life. Is Jesus worthy everything for you? Is he really the treasure in your field that is worth to give everything up and to, to live for him? Are you really, really living for Jesus? Is he the center of your life? <coughs> or is it side business? Something for Sunday? And I can imagine if you are not living, I know from my own life that if you're not really living for Jesus, if you are half-hearted, if you are tomorrow a different person than today, you will struggle with your security and faith. Because Satan is accusing you all the time when you read the New Testament. Satan is accusing, why are you not giving up everything? Why are you struggling with your finances, with giving your time, your energy, your money? Satan is accusing, but I really believe if we give our everything, the kingdom will be visible in our own lives, but also for the people around us. The kingdom of God becomes real when we start really living out the values, when we really give our lives to Jesus. And this is actually what we, if we want to see the kingdom of God in the Bible, we have to look at the Bible because the Bible is our reference. And when we look to Acts 2, the early church in Jerusalem, what did we see? People heard the message of the gospel. They stop worshiping idols and they start living for Jesus. They give everything. And I know it's a blueprint for the 412 churches. Giving up everything. Living in our houses daily. Um, giving the, what they have to the apostles. And there was a, a huge testimony came out for these, from these churches. They gave everything to the Lord and to each other. And that was an expression of the first expression of the kingdom breaking out. But it's not the only one. And today I want to look like how can we see the kingdom come through in this earth. And I want to look at you to, the, um, to a church, the Thessalonian church. And I think it's a beautiful example where we can learn. So if you have a desire to see the kingdom breaking through in your life and in this church, look with me at the church in Thessalonica. I've been there recently. Uh, there's nothing left about it, but it's so sad. But in these days, when Paul brought the gospel in Thessalonica, he brought the kingdom. He brought the values of the kingdom. He, he preached about Jesus, that he came, that he died for us, and that we should live for him and for the kingdom. And the church in Thessalonica really received that message, and they, they start living according to these values. And I want to read with you one, uh, start um, with 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 6. Read with me, I think it's, yeah, it's already there. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came, not, uh, came to you not simply with words, with, but with 
also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. This actually needs more, no more explanation because Paul came there and he said literally, you start living like us. And the, writer, the writers of this letter is Paul, Silas and Timothy. Um, yes. Um, so he is actually saying, wow, these people, when they heard the gospel, they actually literally start living like Jesus, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So that must be a great change because these guys were not, in, were not Jews. They were just in Greece and they turned their lives completely 180 degrees. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He opens our eyes. He comes and lives, opens our eyes for a new kingdom. So, and we can only... Uh, live that kingdom out if we left the old kingdom. And that's what the church did. They had values like uh, we live for ourselves, we live for our security, we live for pleasure. But then the Holy Spirit came, he opened their spiritual eyes and they start living completely the other way around. So by faith, they become in the kingdom and they had different values. Isn't that amazing that they were so different that everybody could see an expression of the kingdom. And it goes further when you read um, verse 7 to 9, and Paul is going further. And, you all, you <coughs> and so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God. This is so amazing. This church become a model from zero to 100. In a it looks like from zero to 100 in a few seconds. This church become a model to all the people around. Actually, Paul is saying, I hardly don't have to evangelize because of the rumors of that church. They spread everywhere. People heard. Can you imagine Wellington? People everywhere in Paul and all the cities around, they heard about what's happening here. People hear the gospel receive the message, change their lives, and start living completely different. They've turned literally from idols to serving the living God. And it was not only with their mouth, it was visible in everybody around them. People could see what happened, how they worshipped, how they live out. It was such a testimony. It even encouraged the apostolic team. It even encouraged Paul himself. They, these guys were so radically that... In whole Macedonia, people changed their life because of the testimony of one church. Can you believe that? The kingdom of heaven came with the values of that church. The way they lived was such a testimony that you, they hardly didn't have to evangelize because people could see the kingdom. And I think the power of the gospel is not only hearing. We can, you can listen to my message, you can listen to teachings, but the power of the gospel is not only in hearing, it's doing, and hearing, seeing, and doing, they, in the Bible, they belong to each other. So it's hearing, 
seeing and doing. Let me explain it, because um, in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, uh, Paul said, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. The words that Paul brought were the words. They believed and radically changed their lives. And with the radically changed the life, the power came because people could see it, it became visible. So hearing, acting, and seeing, it became visible. But to be honest, we hear the gospel, but actually we want to see the power. A lot of people I know, they want to see the power, but didn't want to transform their lives. They, 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 they try to, to, tr to walk with one leg in their own kingdom and the other leg in the kingdom of heaven. But you can't. And if, if a church, if, if, it is, if, if more people like, like a church are all living out the values, are all giving to the life of Jesus, you see a beautiful expression about the kingdom of God. So it's not that people only hear about the kingdom, they could see it. And that was the power. Seeing how people transform their lives, seeing how people turn from selfish to living for somebody else, living for giving away to people you never have met before. Can you believe it? That can only be a supernatural power. If you don't believe, you, you will look at it, you think, what? Why are these people doing it? So because they have seen something new. They have seen something spiritual and they start living for that. So what, 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 what did we see in the church of Thessalonica? We read about mutual, mutual love, extreme generosity. They read, even when they were poor, they rejoiced and even they were persecuted. And it looks like if I'm poor, I'm not happy. If I'm being persecuted, I'm, I'm not happy. But this church, even when they were poor, they gave generously, with joy, even when they were persecuted. So it looks like they saw something, they saw the kingdom, and they knew we are in the kingdom. And it's, it's Paul, um, J James is saying, count it as pure joy when you suffer. And what do we do? Are we living out? Can we say as a church, ah, look, when we suffer, we are so happy because Jesus is our everything. Or are we mourning? Are we struggling? Are we, oh, Jesus, I, wish, I can't give, but my finances. Often we are happy when we are blessed. We are happy when we are rich. We are happy when we are healthy. But when we look at the New Testament, we are happy when we found Jesus. And even in every circumstances, we rejoice. But we know we have the treasure in the field. 1 Thessalonians 4, it goes on in 4... 9.12, Paul is saying, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, of course, because it's so, it's so beautiful. For you yourself have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that our, your daily life may win respect of outsiders, and so that you will not depend on, every, uh, on anybody. So what we see, this church was not only loving 
people from the own congregation in Thessalonica. No, this church was loving people in the whole country, in whole Macedonia. And can you believe they don't have cars? So this church was reaching out. This church was traveling to tell about Jesus and not only tell about him, they lived it out. They give everything what they had. They even stopped working because why shall we work? Why shall we work? The king, they really believed that Jesus was coming soon. So they decided, yeah, if Jesus is coming and if we believe this kingdom uh, of heaven is now coming on earth, why shall we do earthly work? Because we need to tell the gospel. We need to give away everything what we had. And that's what they did. It's actually talking about that they gave even more than they could. They, they, they hardly didn't have money, but they gave generously. Why? Because they have that kingdom mindset. And Paul have even have to correct them. Like, you have to consider also to work because you are still on this earth. You know, you are not in heaven yet. Yes, the kingdom is here, but you also have to consider at work. Because what happens when we all stop working, we, we run out of money. And we have to ask the people outside of the church, can you please sponsor me because I serve Jesus. Now, that's not what Paul wants. Paul doesn't want that we have to look outside the church to ask for sponsors because we live out for Jesus. Now, he wants that we give ourselves fully for the church, but that we also start working. And I think often we think work, it's, it's, it's not good, it's something from the world. No, work is kingdom as well. We have to consider that everything what we do is the kingdom. So if we work, we serve the kingdom. Paul was making tents, and it was not like he was an entrepreneur and he wanted to be known about his tents business. No, he worked because he needed to provide for his mission was the gospel. And our mission needs to be the kingdom and the king, but we work to provide money for the kingdom and the king. Even me, I'm a businessman. I worked all my life as a businessman. I still have my own business. And I have learned to say, Lord, this business is not to provide me, but the business I have is to provide for the kingdom. So money is a, is, is a beautiful thing. It's an it's a ugly thing when we live for the money. But when you can learn to see everything you earn is for the kingdom. And often, even in the New Testament churches like this, we think or we feel if we tithe, we can give 10% and then we have 90% for ourselves. But that's old covenant. The new covenant is we tithe and the other 90% is for Jesus as well. And that's what we see in the New Testament church like Thessalonica. They gave, of, uh, I, I expect that they gave the tithes if they had good education, but we hear, didn't hear about tithing. They give everything, every single money they have, they give because I think money is an indicator. If you, if you, are, if you want to know if you are really born again, you can check your wallet. It's not... Um, if you give a lot, you are a Christian, you can't turn it around. But money is often an indicator of your heart. It's an indicator. So if you are struggling with giving, it's an indicator. Because we see clearly in the Bible, people that really sold the kingdom, they give everything. Time, money, they didn't mind. Even stop, stopped working, the guys in Thessalonica. Isn't that amazing? Uh, where I am? Um, yeah, so Paul needs to, um, to correct them. Um, oh, yeah, I want to go, um, I, I want to explain a little bit more about um, uh, the churches in um, uh, Thessalonica, because Paul is also writing about them in the Corinthians brief, uh, letter, brief, <laughs> letter, uh, <laughs> it's Dutch, 
Yeah, it's not my first language, so I need to think about all the time different. But let's quickly uh, uh, read about uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 1 to 3. And Paul is uh, talking about the churches in Macedonia. And the Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia, but there were more churches uh, like Philippi, uh, Berea. So he's actually talking about the churches in uh, uh, Macedonia, but um, um, I think uh, the Thessalonica church was one of the uh, main churches because it's in the capital of the city. And this is what he's writing about these churches. And think about, can he write a letter to the church in Wellington as well? So try to think about if, he, if an apostle needs to write a letter to your, your church. But Paul is talking about this church. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. I can imagine that everybody gave their life to, to Jesus when they saw an expression of the kingdom in Thessalonica. I can imagine that people hear the gospel and saw how they live out. Can you imagine that you see somebody that is persecuting, that is going to severe trials and is so happy and overflowing with joy? They were, they were saying they're really poor, but they give generously. I think if you are not a believer, you have to realize, wow, these guys have something special I need. They have seen something I can't see. And I really believe if we can be a church like that, we preach the gospel, people easily receive it because they can see that the kingdom is coming here. And what we see in the Bible is when a large group of people, like the church in Acts 2, like the church in Jerusalem, and the church in uh, Thessalonica, start seeing how the kingdom works and start living out it radically, you automatically become to see the kingdom on earth. And people, and we in, all, in both cases, in Acts you see, and the Lord added daily people. And we can see of the church in Thessalonica, the whole country was giving their life to Jesus because of the testimony that came out of the church. It's not only hearing the gospel. It's not only going to church. It's living out the kingdom, believing in the kingdom, giving everything to the king, and living out the values of the kingdom. We don't need more information. We need transformation. We need to see transformed lives. Your family needs to see your transformed life, how you were in the past and how you restored today, how you live completely different. Because then they can hear the gospel. They've heard, yeah, Peter have given his life to the Lord. After three years, nothing happened. What do you think my family would see? Is that the kingdom? But if, he, if your family is seeing your life, going to church and living out a complete different lifestyle, like the church in Jerusalem, like the church in Thessalonica, people can't deny that Jesus is alive and living in you. That's it. And often, in, especially in a Western culture, and I think in South Africa as well, we are so focused on information. We want to learn more. Uh, we like to, um, to be teach more, um, have more knowledge. But these churches where the Bible is talking were not built on knowledge. 
they were built on transformed lives and on values. They heard the values the apostles told them, and they're going to live it out. We can't go to courses, and I'm not saying Mike is a good teacher, I know, so it's not bad to listen to Mike, but if you only listen to get more information and you go home and nothing is changed, it's wasted time. We don't build churches on courses, we build churches on values, on transformed life because they've learned and they've applied. And the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of the future. It's a kingdom that has reached us now. So there is an earthly kingdom and there is a heavenly kingdom. And these both kingdoms are running parallel. They are not different kingdoms. It's one kingdom with one king, only different stages. It's the same king. It's the same Jesus, only on earth and in heaven. It's all one. And I'm not preaching like I know a lot of guys know the kingdom now theology, that we have to bring the kingdom in a perfect way and that we are here to establish the kingdom of heaven. In a way, it is true, but in a way, we also expect that the kingdom of heaven and Jesus is returning. And then we have, an, an, yeah, well, how can I explain? Then there is, a new, there is, there is the fullness of the, 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 of the kingdom. So then there is a deliverance again. So still, we have to suffer in this world. Satan is defeated, but he is still active. And, and it's normal. Uh, for example, if you struggle with, um, with sickness, if you struggle with emotions, if you struggle with your persecution, it's normal that we suffer in this life. It's not strange when you... You see it even in the, in the churches. They, were, they, severe they have severe trials. So... It's become, so there is a kingdom coming without sickness, without pain, without anything. So there is a kingdom now and there is a kingdom coming. And it's good to know that it's not, this is not it. If you feel like, ah, oh, if, if this is it, I don't want to have this kingdom. I know this kingdom, we, we have this kingdom because of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's the hope we have. We know we can rejoice. Why? Notice that heaven is of earth is like heaven. No, we know that the king is living in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we know we're going to see Jesus one day. And we know he will bring then the real kingdom. We have a new deliverance again. We are delivered from, the, from pain, from sickness, from everything what you're struggling now. And that's the security that's lived in us by the Holy Spirit. And I quickly want to check two Bible verses about it, because we, we have to know that this is not the kingdom, this is the kingdom where we live for, but this is not the perfect kingdom. And I think we can only live out the values of the kingdom if we are sure that we have the Holy Spirit and that we know, like the church in Thessalonica, that they know that Jesus is coming. But are we ge expecting Jesus coming? Like the Thessalonian church, they really, they stopped working because they were so eager to expect Jesus. Are we expecting him every day? Are we every day living towards the return of Jesus? Or are we living our daily lives? Are we living for ourselves and not busy with the return of Jesus? I think it's important that we live with a heart that we can expect Jesus every day. And that everything we do we do with, um, in our mind that Jesus is coming. And we can only do it when we are properly born again, when we have seen 
Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Paul is talking to the Ephesians church just to encourage you. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. In Romans 8, 19-25, for the creation, and we are part of that creation, waits in eager expectations for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of the childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So there will be coming another deliverance. So if you are not feeling comfortable, if you, are, if you experience persecution, if you, if you are sick, there is coming a new kingdom. The same kingdom, but done without pain, without death. Death is defeated, but we still have to die. But we know as Christians that when we die, life is not the end. Where is the kingdom? The church is the kingdom. Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body. This place, not only this building, where we gather, there is an expression of the church. There is an expression of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a few questions? Is he really the king of your life? Did you really give everything to the Lord? Your house, your car, your business, your career, your securities, your money. Are you really living out the values of the kingdom? Are you really devoted to the church? Jesus is coming to get his kingdom. He's coming to get his bride. His bride is the kingdom. But I really believe that the kingdom is an expression of devoted Christians. Not Christians that believe if we go to church or if I give my life to Jesus, I'll be in heaven one day. I I really believe that if you live for heaven one day and not want the kingdom now, I'm wondering if you are there in heaven as well. And that's maybe a heavy statement, but if you're not living the kingdom here for Jesus, how can you live it when Jesus is returning? 
Do you have a desire to be part of a church in Acts 2, like the church in Jerusalem or the church in Thessalonica? Do you really have a desire that your church is a light for the nations, a city on a hill, that if people look to your church, they can see Jesus and they can see the kingdom? Do you have that desire? Then we have to pray the price because Scripture learns us if a large group of people all do the same, like Acts 2, like Thessalonica, they all give their life to Jesus, they all live out their values, you see a powerful expression of the kingdom here on earth. And that's what Jesus is looking for. People that understand the kingdom, that are not living to go one day to heaven, but wants to live the kingdom right now. But there is a price to pay. I believe, I believe, and I can testify it also from, from, from my side, I really believe that stories we read in Acts and in Thessalonica are not for only for, that are not biblical churches. Acts is going on these days. I can tell you from my own perspective, when I was just a guy in the Netherlands and I've heard um, fire, fire, I've heard about what God was doing in South Africa. I've heard about testimonies about 412, um, about Joshua generation. And I, was, and I heard what stood out for me was the radical testimonies about people selling their house for building a, a church property or people that have fled out for the kingdom. I thought if, if that's really true, that f felt for me like this is the real gospel. So I was curious, I was looking around for a healthy church and then I, d I heard that there was a church as well on the Isle of Man like Living Hope. So we traveled to the island um, Isle of Man and we came there uh, on a conference and we saw that they didn't only preach the gospel, they lived it as well. People loved us like, uh, I can't believe it, they gave us a car to drive, uh, they give their homes, they give their meals, well, they've never met me. So they love not only people on the Isle of Man, they also love people. That's actually what Paul is writing about the, uh, the churches in Macedonia as well. They loved from a wider perspective, and that hit me. I, th I literally thought, I don't know which um, doctor in this church is, but this is real. This is a real church, um, and I didn't even know what doctrine the church was, but I, I could see it by by the testimonies of the people. And now, we are, now I can share and encourage you that God is doing the same in the Netherlands. People are giving their life to the Lord and to the church and to the kingdom. And, and what we see, they have to pay the price. And the price in the Netherlands is high. I can tell about people that join Living Waters and they lost their jobs. I can share about people that been baptized and um, Families uh, put pressure on them. At the moment, there is a couple that is considering if they should stay or should not stay because if they stay in living waters, the, the parents um, kick them out of the house. That's the consequences of joining a radical New Testament church. We, we feel like we've got a persecuted, persecuted. People are not greeting me when I, um, when I met somebody um, and I can tell many, many stories about people that have to pay the price. But I can say to you, so many people had a desire to live like radical for Jesus. They want to, to live flat out for Jesus. And now they found this church and it is worth them every, everything. But maybe you grew up in this church. Maybe this becomes normal to you. And I can tell you, this is not normal. 
And I want to encourage you, don't take this for granted. Don't take it for like, oh, I'm in a nice, healthy church. Try to keep living the values that Jesus is teaching you. Try to live like dying to live, giving everything to Jesus and the kingdom. And you will find life. You will find security in your faith. You will know that you are Christian because you live out the values. I believe that this church will be a model for the whole area here by the love you can give to each other, by living out the values. I believe that God wants to use us all to be a church like Thessalonica, who heard and applied the gospel. That your testimonies will be spread about the whole area and that the kingdom advanced by the testimonies of your life. I really believe that the same spirit that filled the church in Jerusalem and that filled the church in Thessalonica is the same spirit that is here. There is no different Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to fill this church with a new faith, with a faith that opens your eyes for the kingdom and live completely to that. Faith to let your old kingdom come and give yourself fully to the king and the kingdom. And I believe if we are able to do this, this together and automatically break out of the kingdom here in Wellington would be the result. It's my desire to see the king and the kingdom coming and I hope yours as well. Amen. Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing the kingdom on earth. Thank you, Lord, for being an example to us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that came to us, Lord, and that showed us that we are born again in a new kingdom. And Lord, we want to confess that we sometimes struggle to let the old go, that we sometimes try to hold on on our financial securities, living for ourselves through careers. Lord, sometimes we even see church as side business, Lord. And I really pray, Lord, that you help us by the power of the Holy Spirit, open our eyes for the King and the kingdom. Give us the strength and ability, Lord, to give everything we have like you of being an example to us. Lord, you are a beautiful example, giving everything. You even give your own life on the cross. You died for us, Lord. And now you say to us, live like me. That means actually that we are, even we have to die for each other, Lord. And maybe we think, oh Lord, I'm not able to live that life. And I know, Lord, from ourselves, we are not able. We need your Holy Spirit. We need that you opened our eyes. That we can live with joy, with love, with generosity. Lord, we want to be that model church. Lord Jesus, we want that when you look at us, that you are rejoicing over us because we understand how the kingdom works. Lord, we have heard it this morning. Help us to to um, apply it tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. To be a light in this area. To be a light in our families. Lord, that people can see our transformed lives. 
and that they can see the kingdom breaking through. In Jesus' name, amen.